2: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come over to the site now. We're wrapping up all the stuff that happened here in Week 9, at least the Thursday and Sunday games. That's what we do here to kick off another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll uh, first look at all the things there that happened In these games, the takeaways that you need to know in fantasy football, the good things, the bad things, the disappointing things, the surprising things that will help uh, create a better lineup going forward, whether you're playing DFS or year long. So if you're joining the show for the first time, welcome. If you're a returning listener, we know that we've upgraded to Experts Edition here. We'll have Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to help us with some takeaways from uh, four of the more intriguing results here of week nine in the NFL. So a lot to get to. Uh, we'll talk to Tom here in a little bit. Uh, we'll start with uh, the first wave of games and uh, close the final wave of games. We had 13 on the schedule with six teams on bye, And a lot of uh, very interesting results. Very predictable in a lot of cases. And matchups that looked really good. It exploded even to being a lot better than we thought even. So a lot of uh, good stuff out there for sure. So let's dive in. The first surprising result was the 49ers all over the Raiders 34-3 on Thursday night football. Nick Mullins was the story of the game. 262 yards and three TDs. No one had barely heard of this guy. He was a turnover machine in the preseason. But goes to show you how terrible the Raiders' defense is. And part of it was the the running game was pretty much opened up here. Matt Breida struggled a little bit to get going he just hasn't looked good with an ankle they're forcing him out there but rahim mostert looked excellent seven carries for 86 yards including a 52-yard touchdown unfortunately for mostert uh, there was a major forearm injury that put him out for the season so great looking back there for the 49ers another big injury of course as soon as he starts to look good here so you're gonna have Breda and morris maybe the mini buy will help both of these guys get healthy Going forward, but uh, that's how it's going to be mustard coming on strong. If he helped your fantasy team, if you stuck with him after that disappointment last week against Arizona, you were rewarded, but now you got to find a replacement there. And George Kittle, what we can say, it doesn't matter if it's a Jimmy G or his buddy, CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins. This guy gets the job done four for a 108, caught all of his targets, was a beast in the blocking game. Pierre Garcon came back to relevance in this one, three for 56 and one. Only one catch for 11 yards from Marquise Goodwin. So, disappointment there with the change in quarterback. They went with a short pass game. So, it was a lot of uh, Garcon and Kittle. Kyle Juszczyk activated Richie James there ahead of uh, Dante Pettis and what they wanted to do in the passing game. So, And uh, really, uh, Trent Taylor as well. So, when you look at it, uh, that's the way it... Uh, Kind of bounced there, short passing game, playing off the run. It was very easy to do against the Raiders. Now on the other side of things, you had to be extremely disappointed. We thought Doug Martin could do something, but game flow got a hand. He only had 69 yards from scrimmage. Jalen Richard was okay in a PPR, 4 for 45, as the leading receiver. But just a brutal, brutal day overall for the Raiders. Offense night really... Jared Cook only 2 for 20. Jordy Nelson 2 for 16. This is not what we expected with Mari Cooper out. And it's just a dumpster fire at this point in fantasy and reality. I mean, Derek Carr, no touchdowns in this game. Just atrocious, atrocious offense. and An offense you absolutely cannot trust at the moment. Our next game as we flip to sunday uh, speaking of uh, offense we cannot trust at um, in this moment buffalo bills yet another game without a touchdown well they did have a touchdown but it was late and garbage uh it was nathan peterman here rushing so hey nathan peterman got a touchdown unfortunately he was uh, picked three times more they lost a fumble that was returned for a touchdown as well so if you had the bears defense you were sitting pretty but again this is a bit product of this matchup i don't think the bears defense Would have done this without Khalil Mack and against many other opponents in this league. So Peterman take it and uh, just keep targeting all the defenses out there. The jets are playing the bills this week. So the jets are available in your league. You definitely want to go after them. I wouldn't expect a bears performance. It was impossible to duplicate, but you'll take that. And Chris Ivory looked better than LaShawn McCoy. Unfortunately, I think he looks out here for a while with the shoulder injury fell down hard there in the red zone. So it's going to be difficult there overall to say that, uh, you're going to trust anything in this Bills offense. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin, forget it. Four for 40 on nine targets. We need Derek Anderson a little bit. We really need Josh Allen to really think about anything with the Bills. So brutal, brutal uh, performance there for Buffalo all around. You look at the, the other side of things here with the Bears. Because of the defensive touchdown, Mitchell Trubisky only had 135 yards passing. did have a TD there to Trey Burton, but it was also picked off. One, so not much there. Jordan Howard was the man here. Game flow really was in his favor over Tyreek Cohen because they didn't have to throw too much. He ends up with 14 for 47, but two TDs on the ground. So not great, but still productive enough there uh, going forward. So Bears are not going to score this easily on defense in most weeks. So hang in there with uh, Trubisky and the rest of their weapons. Uh, Allen Robinson, remember, didn't play in this game. They were right. They could beat the Bills without Robinson and Mack, and that's what we saw. In this one, the next game we'll talk about is the Panthers and Buccaneers, 42-28. to 28. Panthers were rolling here. Didn't look good for Cam Newton early because they were scoring on the ground. Alex Arma, the fullback, scored. They had Curtis Samuel score on, on a trick play. Christian McCaffrey scored twice on the ground, 17 for 79. There, and then another 78-yard receiving. So another big game for McCaffrey against his horrendous bucks defense so he thought oh no Cameron's not going to get going but then the buccaneers started to show up in the game and that got cam to throw a little bit more had the touchdown to greg olsen six for 76 great catch there by olsen uh, to set up part of his big day and uh the other one went to samuel so samuel has had more and more relevance when he has two tds here only three touches though and 58 yards so really hard to trust a player like that but it's really cutting to the effectiveness of dj moore and Devin Funchess, and it's becoming really hard to trust any of these uh, receivers here in Carolina because of that. So it's really the McCaffrey and Greg Olson show for the most part there in the passing game. Everything else is kind of hit or miss with DJ Moore versus Funchess versus Samuel, and Samuel was the weapon du jour here in the passing game. So you, you look overall, that's what the Panthers want to do. They want to run the ball, be effective, and play off that and Olsen's going to be the most consistent guy so disappointing if you were Devin Funches or DJ Moore owner looking for a lot more they just spread the ball around too much and that can hurt in fancy now Tampa Bay we want to see how the progressions would go without uh Jameis Winston Ryan Fitzpatrick well another four TD game of course it was sloppy with two interceptions three sacks but that's Ryan Fitzpatrick high volume not afraid of course Adam Humphreys Remember him as the Jameis Winston favorite? Well, he was the Fitzpatrick favorite in this one. Eight for 82 and two TDs for Humphreys. O.J. Howard also working in the midfield. They just couldn't cover the slot receiver and tight end. So Fitzpatrick really said these were where the matchups were, and we knew that with Humphreys and Howard. Really, the outside was brutal as Deshaun Jackson was bottled up a little bit. And you had uh, Mike Evans, only one catch for 16 yards on 10 targets. That connection just wasn't there with James Bradbury and uh, Dante Jackson really doing a good job on the outside. So everything was funneled on the inside. So at least Fitzpatrick, you can predict where he's going to throw the ball based on where the matchup is, which is good where James Winston's kind of all over the board. So Humphreys was a big, big surprise just being involved so much because he was Really not there with Fitzmagic at all. Godwin, Jackson, Evan just being kind of afterthoughts. So what's clear here is that Howard is going to be involved no matter what. It had to be disappointing as well if you look for more for Peyton Barber. They just The game flow got out of hand here where only 11 rushes for 31 yards, not involved in the passing him. They just simply don't involve their back. So if Barber's out of the game flow and they don't have a shot to stay in it, he's not going to be effective, especially against a good run defense at home like we saw with carolina so fitzpatrick still usable streamable he should be there consistently in your lineups he had uh, 23 yards rushing in this one so even when he's playing bad he puts up numbers because it's a one-dimensional team that's going to be falling behind all the time that's what we saw and he's a little bit more trustworthy even with the mistakes to deliver than uh, Jameis winston was now the next game we'll look at here is uh these chiefs all over the browns 37 21 Stop me if you've heard this before. Another massive game for Patrick Mahomes. 375 yards, 3 TDs. Did have an interception there at the end of the first half, but he made up for it with uh, 18 yards rushing, so almost wiped that out. Could have a bigger rushing day on the day, but worked out fine. Kareem Hunt did the rest here. 17 for 91 on the ground for 2 TDs against the Browns. 37-21 victory here. And Hunt had a beautiful one catch there for the house there for... Patrick Mahomes 50 yards just navigated through the whole Browns defense. Travis Kelsey balling out again 7 for 99 and a pair of scores. We thought it could be hard for these receivers. Uh, Tyree Kill 4 for 69 on 5 targets, 2 for 16 rushing. So not a terrible day but limited when Kelsey and Hunt are so dominant. The main three guys from last year getting it done consistently here for the Chiefs and uh, what can you say? This offense is awesome. You just want to Get all your parts in there. Watkins, I think, is a PPR play more now at this point because you can't expect those big touchdown games. Hill, it's going to happen where it corrects itself and uh, you're going to have the five touchdowns provided by Hunt and Kelsey and that and So sometimes it's going to happen, but the bottom line, Mahomes and Hunt and Kelsey are the studs here that you can count on week in and week out. And uh, what a performance here against the Browns. Now the Browns side of things, Baker Mayfield just had it together here. looked pretty good. 297 yards, two TDs, had an interception late in Garbage time. was sacked sack only twice here, so hung in there. Nick Chubb looked good, 22 carries for 85 yards and a TD. So they were in the game long enough, and a Duke Johnson with two TDs through the air, nine for 78, caught all of his targets. So this offense exactly without Todd Haley and uh, Hugh Jackson to muck it up, we saw exactly what we wanted, finally. A lot of Duke Johnson, a lot of David Njoku. Jarvis Landry, 6 for 50 there on 7 targets. Antonio Callaway started to look better, 3 for 51 on 5 targets. So, everything kind of opened up. So, Freddie Kitchens, you've got to give him credit for fantasy football as the new play caller for the Browns. Came through nicely here with everyone producing in garbage time like we expect. Three touchdowns, that's what you are looking for in a game when you get routed like this. Still show some life, do some things that didn't happen against the Steelers last week at home. So that's all we're asking. They don't have to win a lot of games for us here away from fantasy. But you know what? You'll take that anytime from your offensive skill players. And and Joker didn't score, but it was just promising the 4-for-53 line to get uh, going again after last week's uh, no-catch game. So a lot of upside for the Browns, and they get the Falcons at home there next week. So not a bad... Uh, Spot again to keep trusting your Browns. Now, I got to tell you this ever since I started doing this podcast uh, and talking about all these games, breaking them down, and uh, a lot of things worked out in our favor in terms of game picks this week, people have been asking me where I go to get uh, the best picks. Well, I have to tell you this uh, it's important. You have to be betting in the right place as well as knowing what teams to bet on. And you got to go to my bookie. My bookie. You can check them out online. The reviews are excellent. It's the best wagering site out there. And, uh, I can only recommend a service that's been uh, very solid, uh, good to me and my listeners. And you have to make your way to my bookie because when you play there and you win, they're gonna pay. And. Uh, you Look at their live in game betting, over unders on fantasy points scored, the most rewarding player perks in the business. Everything lines up well at My Bookie. And at this time in this new season, uh, My Bookie continues to be slamming new bettors, and they want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, you'll get an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. And it's easy. Join now. MyBookie will also match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And after 7 p.m. you'll get a little bonus LOCKEDON25. There's going to get you that uh, $25 in free play with deposits over $100. So You'd uh, gotta wait, take your time, go there, deposit after dinner, and uh, go take that extra money and play. And uh, when you play, you win, you get paid. My bookie use that promo code locked on twenty five. When we get back, we'll have uh, Tom Kesnick here of High Stakes Fantasy to help us look at the takeaways from some of the biggest games of the week.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: Joining me now, as he always does here on Roundup Monday for some high-stakes takeaways, is Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy. How's it going, Tom? Doing good. Uh, I would have... Preferred a, a
3: little more excitement in week nine. It seemed a little bit humdrum to me other than maybe one game or a couple of games. But uh it's definitely uh the, the grinding part of the season now. We're we got through that sixteen by week and uh we'll see how things go the rest of the way as we kick into the second half of the year.
2: Yeah, and there were some surprising results for sure, even though a lot of uh, teams that were favored won this week. Uh one underdog that went on the road. We didn't expect too much was the Falcons winning at Washington and Matt Ryan, the home road splits haven't been good. He just threw that out the window. Tevin Coleman, he wasn't running well. He threw that out the window against a pretty good Redskins run defense. So this was a nice, surprising result here. Do you kind of uh, see Coleman's resurgence, something that we can start to believe in here? It looked really good in this game.
3: Yeah, he did. Uh, Edo Smith did too. They both look good. The whole offense looked good. Julio Jones even scored. So you know it was a magical day for the Falcons. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Tevin Coleman is the lead guy, without question. He's, he's scored touchdowns now in three straight games. Uh, this was a shocking game. This is one of those games where you put all the analysis, everything goes into it, and then the entire game just goes a completely different direction because Washington's run defense had been elite. They had shut down everybody. I mean, they were really, really strong against the run. Where you beat them is in the, in the passing game, but you couldn't run on them, so, of course... Coleman and Eo Smith go for almost 150 yards. Smith scored a touchdown. Coleman scores two in the as a receiver. It was a game where just nothing played according to plan. But uh, as far as Tevin Coleman going forward, yeah, I think he is locked in as an RV two the rest of the way. We know what the upside is. And this offense is really cooking. Matt Ryan is playing really, really well right now.
2: Yeah, that's good to see because the road issues were there. This is a tough, really, look at it in the – kind of the mid-Atlantic in uh, November, it's hard sometimes to navigate, but I think this gives you a lot of confidence that you want to put uh, Matt Ryan as an every-week play, uh, no matter where he's at this point.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, certainly, they had issues running the football. That was another thing going into the game, where you're, like, back and way off Coleman and Edo Smith. They hadn't run it all that well, and then they were facing a really good run defense, and of course... You know, it just goes out the window. But they have been throwing it really well. Ryan's playing well. Julio, other than not scoring touchdowns, had been having a great season. He's doing everything you want. He just hadn't scored before yesterday. Kelvin Ridley is performing like a first-round pick. And Austin Hooper's been pretty solid. Mohamed Sanu's been pretty solid. So they've got weapons in the passing game. Coleman, of course, out of the backfield as well.
2: Yeah, that, that was definitely a good uh, all-around performance, which you would do to check the, all the boxes in the Falcons' offense. Now, the Redskins' offense, uh, wow. this is Sometimes it gets really ugly here. The one bright spot to me, I know Josh Doxon scored, but Maurice Harris, I know we've been talking up a little bit of him in fantasy. We've been dancing around the edges. When are they going to give this guy a chance with their wide receivers either hurt or struggling? He does a great job in this one with 10 catches. Maybe they need to throw to this guy more because... You go back to the Saints game, he's made some big plays for this team. They just have been reluctant to use him. Is he a guy you think they have to lean on that Alex Smith that connected so well with?
3: Well, They have to find somebody. I mean, Alex Smith is not having a good season. He's playing poorly. Uh, I mean, this was, a, this was a slam dunk matchup, and he really struggled most of the day. He ended up putting numbers up late. Uh, but they their wide receiver core is in real rough shape. Paul Richardson goes on injured reserve today. Crowder's been hurt. Seemingly the whole year at uh, Jordan Reed's been a massive disappointment. I mean, Jordan Reed is healthy and not performing, which I'm pretty sure nobody expected. So they got to find somebody and, and Maurice Harris, like you said, really emerged yesterday or really stepped up. Can this be a consistent thing? I don't know because again, Alex Smith is just not playing good football, but, and their offensive line has got major issues right now. They've got a lot of injuries up front. So, I worry about week to week, but you look at the next matchup, and it's against Tampa Bay, uh, another team with no defense at all. So you would, if you need to dig deep for somebody like Maurice Harris, certainly the matchup is a a positive one.
2: Now, do you think they've been making a mistake here? Because I I look at Vernon Davis versus Jordan Reed. There seems to be some, at least, past connection with uh, Alex Smith, of course, from their 49ers days. Well, Jordan Reed... We thought this was a guy who was going to click in. I think they had a very good first game together, but it's been downhill. Do you think it's time maybe that they look to play Davis more? Because he seems to be more in tune with Alex Smith.
3: I think you might have to. I mean, again, they've got to score points right now. I mean, and they, they they want to run the football and play from the front. That's their MO. They want to get that run game going with Peterson and then let Alex Smith do a little bit. They don't want to put the game in Alex Smith's hands, but... The offensive line, again, is in disarray. If they can't run the football and if their defense breaks down like it did yesterday, they're going to have to throw it. And that means getting people on the field are going to make plays. And clearly Vernon Davis made plays yesterday. Jordan Reed, again, has been a huge disappointment. So, yeah, and again, they, they're, their wide receiver core is decimated. So they got to get people on the field. And if that means playing Vernon Davis more, play Vernon Davis more.
2: Yeah, and we'll see how that develops. So we we really wish we could trust him more in matchups like this and the Buccaneers, but it's just ugly out there. Now, one team that you had to love coming out of the bye was the Chargers. They took care of everyone. They got Keenan Allen, the big game with the receptions. They got Tyrell Williams in the end zone. Mike Williams in the end zone. Melvin Gordon, another big game on the ground. They're going into Seattle, and then we hear about Hunter Henry possibly returning here in December at some point to help this offense. So uh, he had to be pleased with what she saw with the Chargers, and it seems like now you can get a piece of this uh, offense everywhere in your lineup.
3: Yeah, they're, they're playing. I mean, Phil Rivers is playing in great football right now, as good as any anybody really in the NFL you look at. It, he is playing fantastic football. And, yeah, if they get Hunter Henry back and Joey Bosa, I mean, that would be huge for them. That that's a lot of hurdles to clear. we got to get these guys back, but potentially there's there's a lot of uh, plus for a really good team to be even better uh, in the stretch run. But and, and yesterday their defense even scored, but they do have problems defensively. This is two games in a row now where they've had to survive the final play of the game to win. Games that they were comfortably ahead in the fourth quarter. I know they've got kicking issues. They cut Caleb Sturgis today, but... Their defense is breaking down at bad times, and a lot of that is because Joey is not out there. So I, I'm a little concerned about that defense. Uh, I, I'm not concerned about it too much this coming week against Oakland. They should be able to do very well. But offensively, yeah, they, they've got it at every level. They run the ball well uh, with Gordon, with Eckler. Rivers has weapons in, at the receiving position, and if they do get Hunter Henry back late in the year for the playoffs, it's just, you know, icing on the cake
2: yeah it's going to be fun and I think uh, Williams I think we were debating which Williams is better I think at this point in different levels uh, you can look at them as wide receiver threes and going forward with the upside of this offense now when you look at the Seahawks side of things uh, well the David Moore thing didn't work out Doug Baldwin became uh, more the guy again and then Chris Carson here we go again can't stay on the field Mike Davis is the pivot again How much do you really want to trust the Seahawks passing game? Because it's taken so many, or running game, because it's taken so many twists and turns here uh, this uh, season.
3: Well, you know, I ended up playing Mike Davis in DFS this week, and it worked out pretty well for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you you trust him if there's one guy, right? If, If Chris Carson's healthy, you trust Chris Carson. If Carson's out of the lineup, you trust Mike Davis. If they're both out there, you know, then you're kind of, you know, maybe you're not quite as comfortable with it. So but both of these guys have separately looked very good this year. Davis looked good yesterday. He's looked good earlier in the season when he filled in for Carson. So if Carson is out this week, I know it's a tougher matchup against the Rams and they're probably going to be playing from behind and having to run it more or throw it more. But Davis has been involved in the passing game too. I, I think Mike if Mike Davis is the starter this week, he is a strong RB two play. So I if he's sitting on a waiver wire you got to pick them up this week.
2: Yeah, and it's always changing with Seattle, so you have to uh, keep paying attention uh, with uh, this team. And uh, They're not married to anyone in specific roles versus veteran or rookie, and that makes it harder as well. Now, you look at Russell Wilson. He was pretty much on fire. But I, I still think uh, you can consider him a weekly starter for the most part, right? Yeah,
3: I would. I mean, again, they, they when they were playing well a few weeks ago, they were really reducing his passing opportunity because they were running so well. But he was still making some plays in the passing game. And he put up numbers yesterday. He wasn't all that good yesterday, but the numbers were there from fantasy. A couple of touchdowns ran for 40-plus yards. So you're going to take that. I, I think Russell Wilson, most weeks, if you've got him on your roster, I don't think quarterback is an area you really need to look to upgrade.
2: Moving on to the best game of the day here was uh, involving another uh, NFC West team, the Rams, Saints. What a great fantasy game. This was, uh, you had uh, Brandon Cooks. Really, uh, people didn't know what were you going to get in this revenge game versus Marshall Lattimore, but he was game, went off in this one. uh, Cooper Cup returned with no issues in the injury. But Robert Woods, I think, quietly, has been very quiet here the last few months in terms of... uh, Scoring and making the bigger plays. He's kind of uh, been in the mix as maybe the guy that uh, gets taken away out of this uh, lineup the most. I know he's still very viable and play him every week, but is that something you just have to temper your expectations with this player? I You know, I, I think he's fine. I think the floor is so solid. He, he's double digits
3: in, in PPR pretty much every week. So, you know, if he's getting 10, 11, 12, 13 points, sure, you'd like more than that in a shootout, but that's not going to kill you um I I I tell you what we talked about this last week with Cooper Cup he changes everything for that offense they really were clicking yesterday and I think a lot of that is getting him back I think it opens things up Cooks had a big day uh Woods was solid Cup scored Goff was terrific as long as Cooper Cup is out there this offense and we know Gurley is Gurley but this offense is as formidable as any in the entire league I personally think It's the best offense in the NFL, because I think they've got more weapons in totality than Kansas City does, even though the Chiefs are obviously super explosive as well. But it all, I think, hinges on the health of Cooper Cup. When he's out there, everybody's in play. And really, everybody played well yesterday. Not everybody put up huge numbers. Goff did, of course. Cooks did. But Woods was solid. Gurley is always solid. So you're feeling good about this group.
2: Yeah, looking at Todd Gurley, in a way this is good if the Rams have to play, keep playing for things, and losing a game like this, I know Todd Gurley didn't go off, but he was also facing the number one run defense in the NFL and still had a solid, uh, more than solid game. So uh, I think this might be good where the Rams come back to the pack. They've got that matchup against the Chiefs in a couple of weeks, uh, have to play the Eagles and Bears still. I think maybe it's good if they stay in contention because it keeps all these guys viable uh, throughout the
0: season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we know there are people out there who play in Week 17 leagues. We understand that. And if you're playing in one of those leagues and you've got key guys for these two teams, this is exactly the outcome you wanted to see. You wanted the saints to win because you did not want the Rams to stay undefeated and have that separation over the next best team. Now it's in play. If you get to week 17 and the number one seed in the NFC is in play, everybody's playing because you don't, if you're the Rams, you don't want to go back to new Orleans. And if you're new Orleans, you want to be at home. You don't want to go out to LA or wherever it may be. So This was a great thing. This is what we want to see. We want to see every game be meaningful in the NFL. We want to see these playoff spots go down to the end. That makes for a much more competitive season, a much more exciting season.
2: Yeah, and uh, with the Saints, I mean, they're an exciting team as well offensively. The Rams and Chiefs are up there. The Saints are probably right next to them with the offense. Uh, They're... Less guys, but I noticed in this game Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas did their thing from early in the season when they were in the shootout and Drew Brees was rearing back and firing a lot. Then we saw what he can do still when he has to do that. But a couple things that I take away from this, I think there's good trickle down there now with Traquan Smith being a legitimate number two on the outside, Benjamin Watson being trusted as a tight end. So those guys are going to continue to have good shots to produce here. With uh, When these guys are going out, I think it only makes sense that uh, the guys after Kumar and Thomas have to produce at some point, too.
3: Yeah, I think the concern we have with those guys is we know what the floor is. The floor can be really low. Ben Watson, for example, last week put up zero. He did not catch a pass, and then he went off yesterday. Traquan Smith, his floor is lower. The upside is there with both these guys. We saw it with Watson yesterday. We've seen it with Smith earlier in the year. So we know what the upside is. But I think as far as the consistency and the level of comfort, you've got Kamara, you've got Thomas, you've got Breeze, and that's really it. Even Mark Ingram right now, we're seeing the floor here with him. If he's not scoring, it's a tough road for Mark Ingram because Kamara is so good, so explosive, and he's so good in the red zone. You don't want to take him off the field down there. So I think you've got three guys that you plug and play from this lineup, and then the other three guys little more uncertainty because the floor is lower, but always every week the potential upside is great.
2: Yeah, and uh, definitely a disappointing game if you played Mark Ingram, But could kind of see that coming with the game flow of this game and then he added the fumble on top of that, which uh, didn't help matters at all. Now, speaking of fumbles, we know Aaron Jones, every time this guy starts to get going, gets his opportunity, maybe things are turning around, something happens, and he lost that fumble in New England. There, that uh, kind of was disappointing, changed the entire course of that game. Now, with with this Packers, however, offense, what I was looking at more is they're trying to see how it uh, funnels, and it was probably good to see Jimmy Graham get going there. And I think uh, going forward, do you think this is an indication that they have to get him more involved? It was just shocking that that was his second touchdown of the season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And especially in the red zone. I mean, you're right, two touchdowns, you know, through nine weeks of the season, eight games for the Packers. Yeah, that's inexcusable. I mean, I understand Devonta Adams is outstanding in the red zone, and, and he scored again last night. He's, he's terrific, but you've got to use Jimmy Graham. I mean, if you're not using Jimmy Graham in the red zone, you might not even have him active, honestly. That's where he can still feast on people. He can still make plays down the field and do some things. He's not the player he was in New Orleans, but in the red zone, he is still an outstanding red zone option, and you've got to make him a focal point down there. I think you want to make him and Adams your two key targets in the red zone because I don't think defenses – defenses can't double both those guys, right? So if you decide to take Graham out, that leaves Adams. If you decide to take Adams out, that should leave Graham. They should really be able to pick and choose what they do in the red zone, and I don't think they've done that as effectively with Graham to this point.
2: Yeah, we were trying to figure out how the specking order was going to work behind Devontae Adams. Do you kind of see it now maybe – Marquez Valdez Scandling and Jimmy Graham next, and maybe Geronimo Allison, who didn't play this game, and Randall Cobb, who's had his moments, but maybe that's maybe where this direction is going as the second and third options for Aaron Rodgers.
3: Yeah, I mean, Geronimo Allison, we just found out today he's going to have surgery, uh, a sports hernia is what it used to be called back in the day. So he could be put on IR I mean it's a lengthy absence now and that puts Valdez Scanling clearly in the wide receiver three discussion you know with wide receiver two upside. he is going to be the number two receiver in this offense now opposite Adams and then I think like you said Jimmy Graham's there and Cobb is kind of fading from view a little bit but Valdez cantling, if you were able to pick him up a couple of weeks ago, you got a guy you can start now I think going forward and if he's sitting on a wave wire again, that's another guy who's a must pickup
2: this week. Well, the Patriots decided to unleash their new Lagarde Blunt this week. We yeah. just didn't know it was uh, Corderell Patterson. Now, uh, this is two straight weeks where Corderell Patterson has been used less as a gadget player and kind of been used as the second back behind James White, pretty much primarily. No more Kenyon Barner, all those people who thought Barnier was Barner has value. Surprise, surprise, it's the Patriots' backfield. Just when you thought a guy was going to do something, he wasn't. Now, Patterson is a guy that... If they're going to use him as much, and if if Rob Gorkowski continues to be heard and they don't really have tight ends and really need more weapon in this offense, uh, you've got to kind of pick Patterson up right now and wait and see, don't you?
3: Well, I think his value is really tied to the health of Sonny Michel. If if Michelle gets back, I don't think we'll see Cordell Patterson. I mean, you know, you use him on some gadget plays in the backfield, but he certainly isn't going to get 11 carries like he did last night. So that's the issue here. If if Michelle and it sounds like Michelle's getting closer and closer uh, to playing. So if it's not this coming week, you would think, you know, real soon. So to me, yeah, you can pick up Cordell Patterson. And if Michelle's out and you're super desperate, you know, I don't know how many leagues will allow you to play him at running back. But if you can slide him into a flex spot or something, maybe you can get, you know, some some points there. But uh, to me, I'm not overly excited about this unless Sonny Michelle is out and then maybe I'd want to take a shot. But again, if he didn't score last night, he wouldn't have really helped you much. He looked good running the ball, but
2: it was that touchdown he
3: got that really made him fantasy
2: viable. Yeah. One guy that's uh, becoming now the monster we thought he could become. We've seen hints of it before. There was a shot play against the Colts to put them away in the end zone. He had the hundred yard game as well. But Josh Gordon, he dislocated his finger in the middle game, popped it back in, kept on ticking, made the big play, the 55-yard touchdown there. Now, Josh Gordon, first 100-yard game plus a touchdown for the Patriots. No Gronkowski. Do you think this is just a sign of things to come where uh, he's going to start to dominate some of these games?
3: Well, he's certainly talented enough, and they want to get him involved. They've they've made him a a heavy target, uh, certainly. And and the Packers secondary is, is horrific. That was such a broken coverage, but... You know, they still made the play. I mean, I think Brady said that pass was usually intended for Edelman. I bet Edelman could have scored on that because he was, you know, pretty close to Gordon on that play. And I think either one of those guys would have scored, but it was Gordon. And you're right. As long as Ronkowski's out, they've got to have something on the outside. We know what Edelman can do, and he's been terrific since he's been back. James White continues to be fabulous, but they need something else. Chris Hogan's been a bust. So Gordon on the outside helps them a lot especially with Gronkowski out. So, yeah, you're certainly feeling pretty good about Josh Gordon moving forward right now.
2: Now, uh, when, when you look at this uh, game overall, I think we, we look at it and it's clear right now that you want to have the the power of coaching. And we see the Patriots, I know they're more unpredictable, but I think it, in this case, you know they're going to put their playmakers there to make plays where I think the Packers were still limited in this one. And I, I think that's unfortunate here for Rodgers. Do you kind of see it that way that only if Mike McCarthy would be as good as Josh Daniels?
3: Well, yeah, you no, know, absolutely. They were out coach, There's no question about that. I mean, a lot, I don't think Rodgers played all that well. I mean, they had, they had Devonte Adams matched up on single coverage a lot last night in the second half and Rodgers didn't, didn't throw him the ball. You've got to get the ball to your playmaker, especially when they took Stephon Gilmore off him and put Gilmore on Valdez Scantling. So, you know that was a huge missed opportunity there by rogers but you're right the play calling is very pedestrian every single week they win the coin i don't i don't know how many teams win the coin toss every week i know the chiefs have done really well but the packers defer to the second half every single week instead of putting that offense out there with rogers and trying to play from the front and with your suspect defense That's what you should be doing is trying to play from the front. So you're not putting so much pressure on your defense every single week. But yeah, they've got a lot of problems. there, coaching and play calling. It's, it's unfortunate. We're going to probably waste another year of uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. So that's just the way it is in green Bay right now.
2: Yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll still get some good fancy numbers, which we still are from Aaron Rodgers. So at least there's that going for him now. Tom, uh, tell uh, the listeners uh, what you have going on there with the NFFC and uh, other things going on.
3: Yeah, every week we offer our great uh, Fanball 50-50 contest. It's part of the NFFC. You play DFS for 50 bucks, and if you win the contest, you get a free main event entry in the NFFC in 2019. We've sold this contest out every single week. So it's a lot of fun. If you love playing DFS, you love season-long, This is a great way for you to do both. Again, it's only $50. The contest is live for Week 10. All you got to do is go to fanball.com slash 5050 and sign up, and maybe you come join us in uh, Vegas or New York next year for the main event.
2: Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun, uh, guys and gals, so get involved in that for sure. So, Tom, uh, thanks a lot for your uh, time, as usual, this week, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: All right, Benny, have a great Week 10. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state.
2: So thanks again to Tom Kesnick for joining the show and breaking those four games down with us. Now, we still have a few more to talk about, a few more in the early window, and then later as well to discuss in the results there. Uh, We didn't talk about the Jets-Dolphins game, so let's pick up there. Not much to see here. 13-6, 13-6, to six, the Dolphins win. Pretty much a dominant performance by the Dolphins defense. They allow six points only, get four sacks. Sam Darnold throws four interceptions, including a pick six. So, Sam Darnold just really did not look good. And this was a game where Quincy Ununwa and Robbie Anderson returned and just kind of killed him. And Chris Herndon was the leading receiver here, the tight end. Four for 62, caught all of his targets. But Inunua, Elijah McGuire getting involved, uh, getting active right away with uh, a good uh, 67 yards of scrimmage. Overall, just spreading around, couldn't get anything done. The Dolphins defense by far is not great. Really, the offense kind of really suffered here because of these interceptions and this uh, kind of horrible conditions there in Miami. Just really didn't have anything from the offense. So Frank Gore had 20 carries for 53. Kenyon Drake. Had only seven touches for 35 yards. So really it was a battle of attrition. The Dolphins win this by a touchdown only. That tells you how bad their offense was despite getting four turnovers. So you expect a lot more. But if you started the Dolphins defense, stream, them, we were happy. If you started the Jets defense, you were okay with it. Because they did have four sacks in the game and held Miami down to 13 points. So not bad. But Isaiah Crowell didn't look that good. Elijah McGuire could seem a little bit more. here. seven carries for 30 yards. We'll see. If they expand now. He's fully healthy. Then waste time putting in there ahead of Trent Cannon as the Bill Bla Powell replacement role. So, see so if that goes for the Dolphins. Really, Danny Amendola continues to be the leading receiver there. Five for forty-seven, seven targets with Osweiler in. Looks like Osweiler is going to play a little bit more here. So, Amendola's still a guy. Anyone else hard to trust and really disappointing for Drake to not do anything when they had a lot of opportunities here. With a lot of turnovers, just not too much and uh, nothing more to see there. The next game that we'll look at, also staying in the 1 p.m. window here, we got two more games in that window, is the look at the Lions and the Vikings. 24-9, the Vikings win. Another weird game where, again, the defense could take care of business here and uh, you didn't have too much offense for the Vikings as much as you'd like. You were pleased if you had Dalvin Cook and you played him because he got 109 yards from scrimmage or 14 touches. They said he was going to work in beyond Latavius Murray. They kind of lied about that because he had more touches. Murray had 11 for 47 but got in the end zone to save his day. So if you still went with Latavius Murray, you're okay with it because they scored about the same here in uh, PPR. Dalvin was a little bit better. But uh, overall, when you look at it, uh, not too bad overall. To have both backs produce, and Murray's not going to go anywhere. That's the indication. And they slowly worked in Cook. They do have a bye week, so maybe they'll expand a little bit more. What Cook's role is? Uh, There was no presence of Stefan Diggs. There went the hundred yard streak of Adam Thielen. He still got in the end zone, which was good. He got the touchdown from Kirk Cousins, four for twenty-two, and a TD. But pretty much when Diggs was ruled out with that ribs injury, you knew it was going to be a lot of Cook when healthy, coming back from the hamstring and Murray and. They really did that against a really bad Lions run defense. Ended up with 128 yards rushing with that duo. A nice 70-yard run, part of it for Cook. So that showed he was completely healthy. you got to be happy about that. It was definitely disappointing if you had Kirk Cousins. When Diggs is not in there, you definitely have to pivot because all of a sudden Thielen is a lot harder to get open. Uh, Laquan Treadwell was the leading receiver for two catches for 37. So ugly game, but the Vikings could control the running game of defense, and so that's not good for Cousins. Overall, in his production, especially when his big play receiver is not in the game. Now, on the other side of things, we didn't really like Carry On Johnson. That played to fruition here. Only 12 carries for 37 yards. This passing game, we expected a lot more from uh, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay with uh, no more Golden Tate traded away, but very disappointing. Galladay, there are three catches for 46, one run for eight yards, and you had Marvin Jones, six for 66, so not bad in a PPR, but. Clearly, uh, this team, a tough defensive matchup is going to struggle a little bit more not to have Tate to take some attention on the slot. So that's something we're looking at. Jones and Galladay, There are eight targets for Jones, four for Galladay. They might see an uptick in targets, but I I thought Theo Riddick, as soon as he came in the game, that was going to be maybe a replacement for what Golden Tate did. They kind of played the same position at Notre Dame for a while. Seven for 36, and Riddick's came back, so... He cut into the production, not only of those receivers, but as well as uh, Johnson, only had three catches for seven yards. So that was the disappointing thing where you were riding Johnson. He was getting all the passing game work, but as soon as Riddick came back, they kind of flipped it there, and that's what you kind of saw here from the Lions. And really, really hard to trust Matthew Stafford at this point because he was sacked 10 times in this game, 10 times for 56 yards. Vikings defense was just a monster there this particular week. So it, it was just really hard for anything to get going for the Lions. And uh, it might be harder. Tate is a guy that's been critical to the offense. And uh, without him, uh, we lost Megatron before they were able to recover Jones. But uh, Tate looks like a whole different story because of the nut guy in their offense. Our next game that we look at is the Ravens and Steelers. And with this one, it was 23-16. The Steelers go on the road and win. Joe Flacco didn't really good look good at all. 23 of 37, no TDs at home against this team. Really disappointing. Alex Collins still not impressing too much, but he only got nine carries in this game, but made one count with a touchdown. He's a very touchdown-dependent uh back. But if you keep scoring, then he's a legitimate RB2 in standard leagues, and that's what you've seen from Collins. Uh Played through a foot injury as well, which is good. There's some good matchups coming up after the bye here where you can really exploit them, the Bengals and Raiders, some really struggling run defenses. So they'll get it going at some point. they got to look at the bye and say, hey, we need to run the ball a little bit better. This has been a problem for us all year. It's getting a little predictable. We know that their teams are going to take away John Brown, which is happening of late. Willie Sneed was the leading receiver, 7 for 58 on 8 targets. There's a lot of dunking and dunking when you look at Snead and Mark Andrews, 3 for 50. Hayden Hurst, they didn't get involved as much as they should have. They're 1 for 21 on two targets. So overall, just kind of a a disappointment again from the Ravens offense has just been a free fall of late. On the Steelers side of things, it's the same old story. Ben Roethlisberger was solid, 270 and 2. Not explosive, but you'll take that game most weeks from him. Threw a touchdown to James Conner, who had another big game with Le'Veon Bell-like volume. He just keeps getting it done. 163 from scrimmage on 31 touches and those pair of scores. He's playing like an elite uh, RB1 this season. Continues to be like you would have had Bell. So, same thing keeps going. Antonio Brown, quite overall, very inefficient day. On eleven targets, caught only five for forty-two, but made one count with a touchdown. To Julius Smith schuster a good rebound game, but still not too big, seven for seventy-eight on nine targets against a pretty good Ravens defense. So overall, it was a grinding type game. It's the James Conner show again there, and uh, that's he's been really the pickup of the year or draft pick of the year in fantasy football, however your league. It went down. It's just been crazy that it continues like this, and no sight. A bell here let me on Bell at all Going forward so that's good For now now Bell Suddenly reports and we'll see all that It's going to be messy but for now Just enjoy James Conner Hopefully it's just a Bell Conner handcuff Situation where you can just react accordingly With the way they go but uh, Just a brutal Game there For the Ravens side of things with the Steelers Putting up the numbers you would Like to see from all their Guys now, we'll talk about the final game we didn't get to. It's the Texans and Broncos. And with this one, uh, the Texans got the early lead here, seemed to be in control. And uh, the Broncos made it really interesting in the end, but Deshaun Watson's solid game, not spectacular. 213 yards, 2 so TDs, they had 38 yards rushing. It was just a grind against this Broncos. Run defense has been really bad. It was just disappointing overall to see Alfred Blue be the leading rusher with 15 carries for 39 yards. Amar Miller thought this was a great overall spot for him, especially with the lead, but it's a bit of a grinding game overall. DeAndre Hopkins had to come through to save the day. 10 catches, 105 yards on 12 targets, including a touchdown there. So the other touchdown went to Jordan Thomas. We thought the tight ends could have some success in this one. Griffin and Thomas, Ryan Griffin. Combined for two catches for 20, but it's Thomas who gets a score after scoring twice against Miami. So he's still involved, but you look at Demarius Thomas in his debut, three for 61 on three targets. Uh, we didn't think it was going to go that way as well, but still a very high Hopkins volume game, and there wasn't much volume overall. Kind of an ugly uh, November defensive struggle. On the other side of things, uh, we wanted to see who's going to replace. Demarius Thomas and a 1917 frustrating loss, but Jeff Hireman was solid. He had 10 targets on 11 targets had 10 catches 83 yards and a TD Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders Well, it's hard to get going with the pass rushes in case games face. He was sacked twice had a TD he actually was an intercept in this game surprisingly, but 290 yards the running game was uh, shut down Devante Booker pilfered the touchdown from Philip Lindsay was limited to 84 yards from scrimmage. And uh, overall, Hireman looks like the biggest beneficiary of this trade where he's the next guy up, not necessarily another wide receiver. Remember, Deshaun Hamilton did not play in this game. So they were looking for some spark there. And without Royce Freeman again, Devontae Booker was the complimentary back. So Hireman, I think when you get guy gets 11 targets and underneath and trying to replace that kind of possession receiver, is maybe the shot play outside, Sanders is the quick guy in the slot, then you have to kind of pay attention to Hireman, and a legitimate guy. The Texans have all kinds of trouble covering the tight end, so that's part of it as well in this matchup. And but you didn't see the kind of the Broncos unleash their tight end as much as they. I think they teased at it early when Jake Butt was healthy, but Hireman finally in the mix here and uh, definitely a viable tight end. The year of a down year for tight ends. So there you have it. There's a look at all the Thursday and sunday games here of week nine breaking them down from a fantasy football perspective we'll uh, continue with our progressive of the week tomorrow experts edition goes to eric edholm of pro football weekly to help us with some targets on the weekly waiver wire don't forget it's matchup focused we look at all the games of week 10 break them down in detail the four marquee ones with the Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. We come back with Pro Football Focus and Tyler Lochner on Thursdays for lineup focus, looking at the DFS advice, news notes that you need to know pricing-wise, FanDuel and DraftKings. So we'll get, we're will get we going to get you handed off. It's a nice uh, transition program for you. And uh, if you're new, welcome. If you're used to listening to us, uh, keep sticking with us. Uh, We've got a lot more good stuff, and the season is still not quite over with the second half to go here in the 2018 season. So thanks so much for listening. This has been Vinny Iyer for Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll see you next time.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.